Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. But Jonah, he is known for the story of him and that great fish, right? Or the whale. But we've titled this, When God Sends You an Uber. God sends Jonah an Uber in the form of a great fish. Because Jonah, who is a servant of God, a prophet of God, decided to run from God. And so God had to send someone to pick him up, literally a fish. And so this should be a great time, and um, I'm thankful you're all here. Before we get started, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for our time together. Thank you for these folks who've come out to sit in the sun and for us to worship together, to spend time with each other, to spend time studying your word. We know that your word, Lord, is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And Lord, we, we look to you for light and for guidance during times, Lord, especially as, as these when we need to hear from you more than ever. <clears throat> we give our minds to you right now. Lord, even the kids are going to focus upon you. And we pray that you give them special endurance and that you would speak to their hearts we thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Great. All right. Verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. He said, go to that great city, Nineveh, and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah had his own culture. It was the Israelites. This was sometime around the beginning of the 8th century BC. And Assyria had its own culture. The Israelites served Yahweh, the one true and living God. Their country had been broken into two. You had the ten, uh, ten tribes in the, ten, uh, in the northern kingdom. You had two tribes in the southern kingdom, Judah. And their country was basically continually ruled by God himself and leaders that were even good to God and served him loyally or those that served against God's purposes. But nonetheless, he served his people. That's who Jonah was. The Ninevites had a different culture. They were known for their wickedness. They were known for their brutality and humanity. In fact, we're told that it was one of the most evil cities that the world had ever seen. And we might ask the question, does God pay attention? Where is God in all of this? When you look around the world and you've seen all of the atrocities, all of the crimes against humanity, the question arises, if there is a good and loving God, surely he must act. Surely he's either asleep or Tell me, what's going on? Listen, Nineveh was a city that was notorious for its wickedness. One of its kings boasted, I stormed the mountain peaks and took them. In the midst of the mighty mountains, I slaughtered them. With their blood, I dried the mountains red. 
dyed the mountains red like wool. The heads of their warriors I cut off, and I formed them into pillars over against the city. Their young men and their maidens I burned with fire. Regarding one captured leader, he said, I filleted him, his skin I spread upon the city walls. They would decorate the outside of their city with the skulls of those that they had conquered. If one of your family members had been killed, they would cause you, if you remained alive and were a slave, they would cause you to walk around with the head, the severed head, upon a spike. They were systematically and satanically brutal and were known for that. This is important because God is going to send Jonah to do something that goes against the very grain and the very core of who he is and what he expects to do, okay? He says, go to that great city and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. This was in the time of Jeroboam too, and we're going to get into this more next time. But Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14. It was a part of Jeroboam II's campaign. It was a very nationalistic campaign. And there's a sense that Jonah gladly served under Jeroboam leadership. Now, just by the way, a little side note. Jonah was from a town called Gath Heifer. Any of you from Gath Heifer or maybe family members? Some, okay, there's one person that got it. Okay. Just a side note. You never know. Okay. But he didn't want to go do this. He loved serving his country. He loved serving his people. He loved living for God and speaking for God. But when it came to going and preaching that doom is coming unless you repent to a group of people who were ruthless, an enemy of his state, a threat to his people. No way. Look at verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went there, not for some tartar sauce, but he went to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Tarshish was known to most of those in the maritime world as the farthest reaches of the world. You might consider it Spain. But it, it's, it was the end of the world as far as they were concerned. And so from where he was in, in Joppa, Tarshish was as far west as possibly you could go. Now, he was supposed to go by land northeast up to Nineveh, but he did just the opposite, just the opposite of what God had called him to do. Listen, Jonah lived in a world with military unrest, politically divided, infighting within the land. There was a cultural upheaval, not only in his place, but in the surrounding regions and the surrounding countries. In our world, we live in a, in a time that is bumpy. It's a time where we have to buckle up because there's so much division and reason for division and unrest from the bathrooms that you choose to the pronoun that you choose for yourself, 
to what you think about immigration, to terrorism, to marriage. What does marriage mean? It seems like right now we've been given just a pinata of, of reasons. Like someone struck the pinata and it opened up and there's a million different reasons to divide with each other and to grab. So it was in his days, so it is in ours. <clears throat> but we can't go backwards. We can't go backwards as a people. And Jonah was making a mistake going backwards and fleeing from the will of God. We don't have that. We can hide. And we can think that we're hiding. But God will find us. Why? Because if you're going to hide in this world, you're hiding in God's backyard. And God knows where you are. It's like when you play peekaboo with a little kid and they cover their eyes and they think that you're gone. Peekaboo. Oh, I'm hiding from you. No, you're not. You're discute. But here's what happens. Is that if we understand what Jonah needed to understand, is that now is a critical time to stand up and listen to the Lord and what he has to say. Now is a time for us to speak what he wants the world to hear, even though we may be divided in so many different areas. God isn't concerned about that. God is concerned about his will. That's what he's concerned about. Now here's a problem if you're going to run from God. Not only don't hide in his backyard, but if you have learned to listen to him, <clears throat> if today you've been a follower of Jesus Christ and you've read his word and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, it, you have the, the impression of his undeniable voice upon your life. Well, Jonah was a prophet and the prophet had an undeniable recognition of God's word in his life. And so it's not like you could say, well, I didn't understand what you were thinking. You should have let me know, God. I would have gone sooner. No. The problem is if you want to run from him, you have to realize if that if you know his voice, you can't get away with it. It's trouble because he may say something against the way that you are thinking or believing today. He may tell you to go do something that you don't want to do. That's one of the dangers of knowing God and being around him. In fact, God's plans may run contrary to your cultural and political and biblical belief system. Do you know that? Well, that's not biblical. God must be wrong. No, he's not. Question for you, is God an American No, no. Am I an American? Yes, I am. I love this country. I love the liberty and the, the idea of the pursuit of happiness and the freedoms and opportunities with the good and the bad, with its failures and its victories. I'm in. I'm sold. But God's not an American. Is God a Christian? Dave, what are you saying? Of course he's a Christian. Well, not really. What do you mean? What are you saying? 
Does God endorse every religion on the face of the earth? No. What's the point here? Here's the point. If you think that your understanding enables you to know what is perfect in God and what his perfect will always, guess again. We all need correction all of the time. Every generation views the world through its circumstances and lens and culture. We, we view the world from where we were raised and, and, and who, where we came from, our language. And God will come in, and though we think we've got it all figured out, he will turn it just a little bit so that we can, we can see a little bit differently and see it from a different angle from his angle so that we can understand it correctly in our culture. You see, God will never fit in your box. He wasn't designed for that. You and I have to learn to fit into his plan and to understand that. You see, the point of Christianity, the point of this, this life that we live and we serve God is not to, okay, explain and confirm his actions to other people to fully explain why God did the things that he did. No, no. Our job, our duty is to love God and trust him when life is beyond our, our explanation. See, it's easy to explain little simple answer questions, give little simple answers to simple little questions. But when it comes to bigger issues, my friend, God calls us to trust him and to follow him, and to believe him, even when it goes against your own grain, okay? Listen, our religious culture, okay, as great as it may be, is no match for God's culture. Our culture comes from him. He is the original that life. You know that. We are to reflect the original light from God, made in his image, human beings in the Imago Dei. But when it comes to our religious expression, pure, purely it comes from God himself. And you and I are constantly in the process of learning to get better at this and, and to grow in that. So we can't live with the assumption that we understand everything. That, that, that's a basic assumption that is needed in order to listen to God instead of run from him. You can say, well, surely God hates the people that I hate. Reasons, of course, you know, I mean, biblical reasons. I can prove it by the Bible. The Syrian people are bad, and I'm surely God hates them. Why would he be sending me to them? Surely he condemns them. They're, they want to invade us. They want to take our people captive and do horrible, ridiculous things to us. They've done things across the, the, the land that really deserve death. Like nobody else around. Surely God hates them. They want to murder and harass his chosen people, and they deserve his judgment. You see, that's Jonah. That's why a prophet who had listened to God. Now, listen, if it was me, the reason I would be getting a boat is because I would be terrified. 
Who do you want me to preach to? Huh. Now, you know the kind of people these are, God. Like, if they don't like the message, they're not going to take up an offering. They're going to take me up. And I'm going to become a... But as we'll find out next week, Jonah wasn't... Jonah was not motivated by that. God knew the person that he was training up. God knew the person that he had called to this job. And Jonah wasn't afraid. Jonah hated those people. Jonah was being asked by God to do something that he could not imagine doing. So, we're told later on in the, the chapter that they got in the boat and God brought up a great wind and the sea became very tumultuous and the sailors were afraid and each cried to their own God and they threw the cargo to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone back below where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, I don't know how he had such a deep sleep, but one thing for sure is that there's, there's a, a phenomenon that when a person is under great distress, that they often retreat and avoid that stress by falling asleep. And I guess he was really good at it. I'll just sleep through it. Now, this lets us know that he was in a pluralistic environment, a temporary environment on that boat. That means that there were people from various religions, various backgrounds, probably various cultures, such as maritime travel was. You would meet up people from different ports with different ideologies and different gods that they believed in. And so everybody prayed to their own God and said, you know, whichever one delivers us, fine, that will be it. But then they cast lots to find out. It's sort of a way of dice or something, a way of figuring out who was to blame. Because a popular belief was is that surely if we're out on the seas and we're in this boat, somebody has angered somebody's God, and we need to find out who it was. And come to find who it was? Jonah. 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 They said in verse 8, tell us. Who's responsible for making all this trouble? What kind of work do you do? Where did you come from? And what is your country? And who are your people? They were asking about his identity. We all want to know that about each other. And what makes you so bad that it would cause this great tumult that puts all of our lives in danger? He gives a personal revelation and an identity. He said, first of all, he identified as a Hebrew. Now, this is going to sound weird, but he, he was a Hebrew national. He was kind of a hot dog in his country. And okay, maybe I'm wrong. But he was a Hebrew. And he says, that's my identity. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the heaven and the dry, I mean, the seas and the dry land. That is to say, other gods would be known for living in the mountains or for down in the seas or whatever. And he says, and the Israelites, the Hebrews believe this. <clears throat> we serve the one true living God, not made with hands, who is creator of heaven and earth. 
He was always identified as the God who made everything. And so this let them know that he first of all identified with his people group, his nation, and then with his God. Now, telling this to other people is really when things get real. And who you are and your identity with God is most important, and it's the thing that will carry you further. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have an identity in Jesus of someone who says, you know what? I, live, I grew up in this town. I, I grew up in this culture. I followed uh, this particular belief. I spoke this language. But then when I came to Jesus Christ, he saved me and forgave me of my sins and my identity. And though I have this history, though I belong to this particular culture, the culture now that I believe in and follow after that supersedes all is Jesus Christ himself. No competition. The greatest of our identifiers. That's it. So this is what happened. What have you done? And why are you running from the Lord? What have you done? And why are you running from the Lord? You see, he thought he would just get on this boat with a bunch of strangers, sail away, and he would be every hour, every day that he was away from Joppa, he would be leaving his problems further and further behind. With none of his friends, none of the issues of his countrymen, but just open sea people that have never met me, and I'll have a brand new life and I won't have to deal with this anymore. But a, a storm arises and all of these people are in peril because of him. And he knows that he has to do something. They weren't Israelites, we're told. We're not told that they knew anything about his God. They would learn about his God from him. But he realizes that God has put him on a mission. And that mission was not to be selfish, but to put those other people around him first. You couldn't, you cannot avoid personal sacrifice in serving God. You can't. You can't. You see, he came up with a plan. Listen. He'd know that he was to blame. And he said, you know, what you ought to do is just throw me over the side. Get rid of me. Now, I don't think he did that because he was just being desperate. But he realized at some point he was putting their lives at risk. And so he knew that personal sacrifice was required. And they were kind of bummed out about it. In fact, they said, they cried out to the Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing this innocent man. For you, Lord, have You've done as you pleased, you see. If you and I are serious about fulfilling God's will in this world, you'll have to understand that we're in a boat with people that are, a boat that we're in is pluralistic. That 
this country that we live in today has been founded on Christian values and like a tip of an, like an iceberg, the, the roots of that are so deep and dynamic within the fabric of this nation. But we live in a nation that is pluralistic and there are very different folks with different beliefs. And the question is, do they matter at all? Do they matter to God? They think differently than you. They don't worship the same way that you do. Do they matter to God and do they, should they matter to you? And the answer from Jonah is yes. Yes. And that means at times we'll take self-sacrifice for us on the behalf of others that we don't necessarily believe in for the sake of the furthering of God's kingdom and his will. Well, I don't really like this person. It's okay. I don't think they like you either. What's so likable about you? You see, God has his culture. And you and I have our culture. And others have their culture. But God wants all of us to adopt his culture. You get that? that that's, that's God's desire even those who follow after him. All right. <clears throat> now, God sends an uber. God sends a big fish. Because we're told in verse 16 that they, they tossed him over the side the, and the, the water became calm. And afterwards, the men made vows to the Lord, made sacrifices to the Lord in appreciation for what he had done in saving their lives. But then in verse 17, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That is God's uber. You see, Jonah had been running from God. Jonah thought he could get away from God. Jonah had figured at this point when he was thrown over the side that his life was over and that would be it. But God had a plan. Now, there are those who have had problems with the great fish story. Not kids. Kids, we like this story, don't we? Being swallowed by a fish. If you don't do what your mom and dad say, well, I'm, well you guys can work that out at home. Don't run from your parents. Um, now, here's, here's the issue. Some have said, well, that, it's not possible. It's a fantasy. It's just a, a, a big fairy tale of old. It doesn't really matter. Well, here's the problem. It doesn't take on the language that is common to a fairy tale. There's usually a lot of extra flowered language that enhances the story. But this is just very straightforward. It was a terrible storm. They tried to figure out what it was. They tossed him over the side. The storm was calm. And then a great fish swallowed him. Because God didn't use the word for whale in here. And so it had to be a particular fish. And they spend all their time trying to prove whether there was a fish or not. And that's not the point of the story. If you can believe Genesis chapter 1 verse, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. You can believe that God can use his creation in any way that he wants to. 
If you can believe that Jesus Christ came from heaven and became a human being born of Mary and died on the cross for mankind's sin and rose to life on the third day and was ascended into heaven, if you can believe that about Jesus, it's not too hard to believe that God would have a special fish, just perfect, that loves to eat things like Jonah. Now, for me, this is a nightmare. I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. I dream of just casting it out there and, and watching the, the fish take the bait, take the fly, and then there's a great struggle. But it, it would be a nightmare if I woke up in the belly of a fish. It's like, oh no, what I have feared hath come upon me. The worm hast thou turned. Whether it was a great sea monster like Leviathan that's mentioned a couple of times in Psalms, or if it was a whale or some oversized fish, it doesn't matter. There are so many things that happen in this world that defy logical explanation. But that doesn't mean that they're not true, does it? That doesn't mean that they're not true at all does it? And that's not the point. The point is, is that God created the heaven and the earth. God had control of the winds and the sea. Jesus brought this out in his ministry with his disciples. They said, who is this man that control the winds and the seas? It's him. It's Jesus, creator of heaven and earth. It is a mystery. It is profound but yet the stories and the truth has lasted from the time the world first heard it. So what does this create? When you find yourself in this spot, like he did, he was hemmed in from every side. He couldn't move. All the things that he had set out to do had failed. And now he realizes he's in the depths in a situation that he could never imagine. When that happens, it is a time of distress. Notice what he says in second chapter of Jonah, verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from the deep. In the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You see, prayer at a time like this is prayer that gets real. It is close to the bone. It's in times of great distress. Prayer in this time allows us to rethink our plans and focus them upon visions and his sovereignty look better than being in the middle of a fish in the bottom of the sea. There's no other option. To those who know him, our only other option would be to curse him like Job at the request of his wife. Just curse him, you've suffered too much. Curse God and die. But for Job, Jonah, that wasn't an option. You see, when we get in this place, everything that we've known in the past comes into question for us. It's a, it's a, a temptation if not reality, to become disoriented, right? 
Stressful situations cause us to be disoriented. We lose perspective, don't we? We believe the worst, we panic. Fear takes over. And we forget our most basic convictions that we have, that you have right now on a Sunday morning. Uh, you're here in the parking lot of a church enjoying this time together. You have your basic convictions. But when a time and a storm like this comes up and this pressure cooker, we lose perspective and we become distorted and disoriented. There are also the feelings of insecurity and rejected. Surely I have blown it so hard to get to this place that God has rejected me. This is a, a sure sign that God has rejected me. He doesn't want me anymore. This is my punishment. He's forgotten me. I'm no longer important to him. My stress so overwhelming that it could be only his rejection. But then there's more. When our circumstances are so intense, though we have expressed faith in God beforehand and prior occasions, we find that our current circumstances become our circumstantial reality at the time. Okay? That means that my circumstances, the trouble that I'm in, the pain that I'm in, is reality because it's my reality, okay? Um, it's forget, we easily forget that God is, has the ultimate authority in our life because we can only see what's in front of us. We, we can only experience what we feel, <clears throat> what's happening to us, and we lose sight. Listen, there needs to be better math when it comes to your own reality. And I'll, I'll give you an equation. Your circumstances plus Jesus results in God's will. Your circumstances plus Jesus results in God's will. Not, not, you're not going to take away Jesus. You're going to add Jesus to whatever circumstance is there. And that produces in our life God's will. It results in hope and faith and trusting in God once again and his ultimate will for us. You see, in verse 6, he tells us that you, but you, Lord, brought my life up out of the pit. You see, Jonah's prayer revealed that God had a better life and a better story for Jonah. Instead of running from God, God was going to deliver him. Okay? Instead of running from them, God desired to deliver him. God's deliverance with mercy inspired a grateful heart from Jonah that he would want to serve him. You see, that's the great story of the grace of God. Some would say, oh, there's cheap grace. There's people just flaunted in God's face. But the truth is, when you deserve what you're getting and God is merciful to you and you don't get what you deserve, but you get what you don't deserve, which is grace and goodness. There is an automatic response that says, I owe you everything. I will do what you asked me to do. You have brought me from the pit. And truly, I now understand that I belong directly to you and my life is yours Therefore, I will follow you and serve you. This is why prayer is important for us right now. 
talk about this 40 days of prayer. We're going to be sending you more information. But let me just tell you, the best way to stay connected is through email because uh, we can send you an update of what's going on. That way we can collect your credit cards and everything else that we want to know about you. No, I'm joking. Automatic deposits and everything else. But no, uh, what we want to, we don't want to do that. We just want to keep you informed as what we're, we're paying attention to the Lord in the coming days. You see, we're in the cauldron. It seems like everything is topsy-turvy. Even educating our children is a hassle. Everything seems like it's almost to a boiling point. Well, what do you and I need to do? We don't need to be disoriented. We don't need to take this as ultimate reality. We need to pray. We need to pray hard. And we need to take our circumstances plus Jesus in prayer and look for God's will. Not running from God's will, not fearing God's will, but looking for God's will. Right? He said, Jonah reminds us that God had a plan, a better plan for this world. He said, those who clung to worthless idols turn away from God's love to them. Jonah's world, like our world, seems like a mess. Jonah didn't want to deal with it. Most of us, if we're honest, don't want to deal with this mess. We'd just like to have a ticket to somewhere else where all of this stuff isn't going on. He ran away. We can't run away. We have choices to make. We can hide ourselves away from the world right now, okay? Or we can run from God's calling for the church. Or we can go and make disciples and be light and salt. With an attitude of gratitude to the one who has been merciful to each one of us here. As we prepare to take communion with each other, I think Steve stole my communion. That's okay. As we prepare to do this, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never trusted him, right where you are right now, ask God for forgiveness. Say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I, I need to be forgiven and to be restored to you. Say that prayer. I need you to fill my heart and my life. I need to know you. I want to stop running from you. In Jesus' name. But then to say that, you know, you're going to say, I'm kind of like Jonah. I've been running away. Well, set your feet on solid ground. Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask for your forgiveness for the things, Lord, that we've done in rebellion against you. Lord, for the things done them. We ask for forgiveness of that and that you would restore us. And then, Lord, we pray for the things that for forgiveness for the things that we've left undone. Like Jonah, you've told him to go somewhere and then we didn't go. We ask to restore us and bring us to wholeness and within your kingdom. This concludes today's message. 
We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.